most people, when they hear those words, you're going to die, you know, the prognosis isn't really good. So to be able to come out the other side and have a few more years, you're grateful for your blessings. Welcome to Life's Valleys and Mountaintops. I am your podcast host, Gina Johnson. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to a community of people sharing real-life stories, overcoming difficulties, to give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey. If you're a long-time listener, I want to thank you for being here. The show has made it around the globe thanks to you sharing and leaving reviews. There is one thing that many of our guests have in common. They are entrepreneurs, and most entrepreneurs are used to talking about business, and some spend so much time running things, they haven't even thought about their experience in such detail. They're often humble and help others more than they ever focus on themselves. When they share their stories, it is to help, and sometimes they forget to even talk about what they do at all. Today, our guest shares his journey of going through dialysis, seven years of waiting for a kidney before he was able to receive a transplant. You may not be surprised to know he worked through most of it. However, he also played football or soccer, depending on where you are in the world. We go deep into his life of kidney failure. If you get queasy, this may be a tough one, but fear not. It has an ending to encourage you along your journey. He is also an entrepreneur, real estate agent, husband, and father. Please welcome Craig Dias to the show. Hey, good morning, Gina, and thank you for having me. It's a great privilege to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. And if you could just start by taking a moment to share a bit about your life today so that everybody can get to know you. Yeah, sure. So, hi, listeners. Hope you're well. So, as Gina said, you know, my name is Craig Dias. Um, I'm currently a real estate agent. I am an entrepreneur as well. I've owned quite a few businesses over the years, let's say past 10 years. Uh, my first for business started back in 2009 uh, when I first came to New Zealand from London, UK. And I started doing a, auto, a mobile automotive detailing business. And uh, that business went really well, um, took off, ended up having two, three vehicles on the road. And uh, by the end of, by the time I sold the business, which was seven years later, I uh, turned it into a business earning about 150 grand a year. So, you know, to come from nothing to something within a few years is, uh, it's quite good. It's a good feeling. <laughs> um, I then went on to start another business called Auto Wash, and that was a, a fixed uh, grooming uh, business where I had a workshop and I ran that for about three years and again, turned the business around, created a website, SEO, all that sort of stuff and uh, sold it on for a bit of money as well. And that was a good success. So I left the new owner with a good blueprint. Um, I then went on from there and uh, went over to start another business, which was existing, but needed a bit of a you know kick up the bum, if you understand what I mean. And that's called Fuel to Disposal. And uh, that basically focuses on the environmental aspect of uh, disposing, collecting and disposing of waste or filters from anything that's got an engine, uh, or four wheels, two wheels even. And, uh, and that's going well today. I've been in that business now for about three, coming on to three and a half years. Uh, within the first year, um, I increased the clientele to about 30%. So obviously the uh, turnover was quite nice, which is good. But I have to say that amongst all of that, when I first started the first business back in 2009, um, I was actually on kidney dialysis. 
And so, uh, as you can imagine, <laughs> most people will say, what, you want dialysis? And you're working so hard? <laughs> but, um, you know, positive mindset and uh, keeping focus and keeping, you know, positive, I was able to pull through. This is where I really want to go deep into your journey because it's not every day that someone gets the opportunity to really walk through with you. And we're going to start at the hardest moment. So I'm going to ask you to take us back to that time that you considered to be the worst moment of your story. And we're going to share what you learned. And don't worry, because we will walk through back to today where things are much better. It, it actually started back in the UK, to be honest. And um, I was diagnosed with kidney failure, but I came, when I came to New Zealand, I was in remission. So, you know, it was kind of... Uh, yeah, I just didn't think it was going to get any worse than, than what it was. And uh, the worst moment was basically getting that phone call from a specialist saying, hey, Craig, uh, we need you to come to the hospital. Uh, but don't worry, don't panic. Nothing to worry about. And I was like, which hospital calls an individual and says, we need to see you, but there's nothing to worry about. And uh, so I went there and I was in a room with three other specialists. And uh, I could sort of see the panic on their face. Uh, it's almost like they were trying to, you know, get things moving. And uh, they said to me, um, look, we don't know how to break this to you, but your, your kidneys are they're on their way up. They're failing. They're failing at a really rapid rate. And uh, we need to start treatment straight away. And I was like, really? But I feel okay. Like I'm tired, but I feel all right, you know? And um, they said, well, look, if you don't do something, um, you know, it's not going to look good. So I actually put it off. <laughs> mm -hmm. Being as uh, stubborn and in denial as I was, I actually came away from the hospital and they didn't want me to leave. But I left because I just, just didn't want to hear it. Then about a month and a half later, the uh, specialist the registrar called me back in and she said, look, I don't know. I don't know any other way to tell you this, but if you don't do something soon, you're going to die. Mm. That's a that's a hard thing to hear. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes when people hear that, they actually do die. And so to hear those words come out of somebody's mouth and you you realize it's you, you yeah, hardest moment in my life. I bet you must have had a million questions going around your head at that point of time as well. Yeah, I did. I mean, even now, you know, I get goosebumps every time I think about it because it was so real. It's like, uh, you know, you're, you're there, you're in the moment and the world is just going by at slow motion. It's, uh, it really does make you think. It really does make you appreciate uh, what's going on in your life at that moment. Whether it's good or bad, you still, you still appreciate that moment. The fact that you're breathing. And it really just uh, flicks a switch in your mind. Mm. Mm -hmm. So what did you do? What was your first steps or your next steps after that? After I heard that, I said, okay, let's, let's just fine. What, what do I have to do? And they said, well, we need to, your, your kidneys are declining at a very rapid rate. And basically I suffered from a disease called glomerulon nephritis, where the immune system was attacking the kidneys. Okay. So it was basically eating them and destroying the, the filters inside the actual kidneys. Mm. 
And so basically normally, um, so imagine this is like a net. So your blood is going through the net and normally it catches all the waste proteins uh, and then flushes them out when you, you know, pass urine. However, because the kidneys were being attacked by the immune system, it basically was opening and uh, everything was flushing through along with the waste. Um, and obviously that was creating a lot of damage as well as the immune system attacking the kidneys. So, mm. Was it flushing all the nutrients out of your body then? Or was it doing the opposite and keeping everything in your body? It was keeping everything in the body, but it also meant the kidneys weren't allowed to do their job properly, which was collect the nutrients and give it to feed it to the body. And okay. so instead of just having the nutrients, of having everything, toxins, all the stuff that you would normally pass out, it was still being retained in my system. That would be really bad. And you look like you're a pretty healthy guy. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I, try to, I try to keep healthy. I mean, you know, I've, I've gone from playing football, or you guys would say soccer. Um, I'm a 100-meter sprinter, 200-meter sprinter as well. I used to train a lot. I used to run for the area, um, doing athletics. So as you can imagine, you know, go from running around playing sports to pretty much being exhausted every single day. So that's a big, big change. I actually can't imagine. <laughs> Hopefully the listeners uh, have not been there yet. And if they are there, then I appreciate your willingness to share the, the truth of what it's like, because it's not a place that you want to linger for too long. No, no. But, you know, I do appreciate it's good to remember where you came from. Uh, you know, appreciate where you are today. Because like I said, most people, when they hear those words, you're going to die you know, the prognosis isn't really good. So to be able to come out the other side and have a few more years, you're grateful for your blessings. So what did the next years look like for you? I mean, from what you're saying, it sounds like you were still working while going through dialysis. Did that happen the whole time? Yeah, so just that little break. So after that, I went into, I had a form of chemotherapy. It was a drug called sarcophosphamide, um, which is, the most horrendous drug. Um, anybody that's been through chemotherapy, you know, I take my health to them. It's it's not a nice thing to go through, but it's it's necessary. Um, and so I went through that for about or about a month and a half, and it was enough to sort of uh, reverse not reverse, but to slow down the um, immune system attacking the, the kidneys. Anyway, I got put into remission. And then um, I said to them, look, it's funny because in that moment, I was like, I haven't done anything with my life. All I've done is I've just worked, you know, earned money. Um, I want to I wanna see the world. I want to see what's out there. How do people live? And it just so happened that I met my wife and she, she's a Kiwi or a New Zealander. And, um, you know, we started going out as you do. And uh, I found out she was from New Zealand. And I said, oh, I've never been there. Where is that? And so the other end of the globe. <laughs> and so I uh, came to New Zealand. And uh, that's when I said, right, I'm going to give this a go. It's a beautiful country. I've got, I've got a great opportunity to start again. And then that's when I started the mobile detailing business. Um, and I wasn't quite on dialysis on that point because I was in remission. Mm -hmm. I was in remission for about two years, two to three years. And then um, I started... Puritaneal dialysis. 
So in that two-year period, did you think like you were free and that everything was okay? Yeah, I thought I was free. I was like, yes, this is all good. I don't need anything. This has worked. But then towards the end of the, the three years, obviously I was doing blood tests and uh, he said, you know, the specialists, you need to go on dialysis. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I don't want to. Um, and I didn't know much about dialysis as well. I wasn't prepared mentally for that. Um, but um, I, had, I had to do it. I had to make a decision. And um, dialysis was interesting. That's all I can say. It was an interesting experience. Will you tell us a bit what it's like? Because I have no idea. And if I have no idea, I'm guessing uh, most people listening might not know either. <laughs> yeah, probably not. So the, the common dialysis um, that people are aware of is hemodialysis. So that's where they create a fistula in your arm uh, where they join two major arteries together and basically use that as a port to put two needles in, uh, one for returning the blood back to the body and one for taking out the blood from the body. And it basically connects to a machine and it basically cleans your blood for you. However, because I know I wanted to work, I still wanted a measure of freedom. And plus I was still, you know, I'm still young. I'm only 37, 38 this year. Oh my days, I'm 38 this month. Oh. Um, <laughs> and um, I decided to do a form of dialysis called peritoneal dialysis or PD in short, as some people or most people know it as. And basically that form of dialysis involved me holding a measure of fluid um, in my body, in my cavity area where your organs are. And basically there's sort of like a filter uh, just behind your, your stomach or your abdominal muscles. And when the blood passes through, it acts as a filter. So you put the fluid there and it attracts the toxins out from your bloodstream into the fluid. Um, and it's how the fluid is fed into your body by means of gravity. So you have a bag hanging up there, which is the fresh fluid. And then you have a catheter, which put into your abdominal stomach. And uh, the port of that catheter goes right into your cavity area. So it's basically sitting on your bum. Wow. Uh, or around near anyway. And uh, so the fluid go, joins in by gravity into your cavity area. Um, but if you've got fluid in you, so, you know, dirty fluid with all your toxins in there, you would have to empty that first. So you have a bag on the floor and a bag at the top and you empty out the toxins first into the bag on the floor, uh, switch the port over and then open the bag at the top for the new fluid to go into your cavity area. And then once that's done, connect off, clean your hands, off you go. And it stays inside your cavity area for about six to six to eight hours. Um, there's many different strengths of bags. So because I was working and I was active, the one that I had in my stomach all day was for uh, six to eight hours. And then what I would do is at nighttime for about 11 hours, I would go in the machine and every, every hour and a half, the machine would drain out and put new fluid in me while I was sleeping. That is incredible and gives me a whole new appreciation for things I've never even thought about. <laughs> yeah, and it's people, you know, they go, oh my goodness, you want a machine and oh my days, you want, you, you know, you're sleeping with this thing and this tube and, and it's like, you know, you get used to it. Mm -hmm. You get used to it pretty quick. Um, there is the, the risk of infections, 
Um, like, uh, what's it called? It's called, um, oh my goodness, I can't believe I've forgotten the name of the infection. Peritonitis. There you go. Okay. And it's the most deadliest infection. If it goes to your blood, it can actually lead to sepsis as well or oh. blood poisoning. And I've known people to be hospitalized by it as well. The couple of times I've had it, I've literally almost just passed out. It literally, as I said, could it's a, a, a poisoning of the blood. It literally affects your system within hours, within minutes, even. Wow, that's incredible. Um, yeah, and it literally paralyzes you. You lose all your all your um, senses. Um, you can't think. You can't. You just your body is in so much pain that you you yeah can't even explain it to you. It's 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 horrible. It's not nice. How many times did this happen to you? So through the seven years that I did dialysis, it happened to me probably about a handful of times. So probably about five times. And those, those were the worst five times of my life. You know, I remember I was in a taxi and because uh, my wife had, my son was born and she couldn't come to the hospital. So I called the taxi. I didn't want to call an ambulance because I didn't want to make a big scene. Um, but there's a special kidney center where I can go there and get emergency treatment. So I don't have to go to accident and emergency or, or ER, as you guys would say. And um, so I jumped in a taxi and I knew it was coming because you can actually feel your body um, functions decline. So your mental faculties, you know, your arms, because you lose all your strength in your arms and in your body. And I could see it, I can feel it coming. And I jumped into the taxi and then that's when the pain hit in my stomach. And when it hits your stomach, your body's ready to just shut down. And I was in the back of the cab and I was screaming in pain. <laughs> and the taxi driver grabbed my hand and started praying. She goes, please don't die in my taxi today. <laughs> wow. But that's how, from an outsider looking in or looking at somebody who's going through that infection, um, it's not a pretty sight. What is it about us entrepreneur people? Because I had a heart attack and I was so stubborn to take an ambulance too that I ended up having a supervisor at work drive me to the hospital. <laughs> it's that fighting spirit. Because it's almost like, I mean, if you need an ambulance, we'll call them, you know? But in your mind, you're like, no, 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 I can survive this. Yeah. I'll be okay. If I can just get there, I know I'm going to be fine. Yeah. And I think it's probably just a mindset thing. Very interesting. Wow. Okay. So you went to the hospital, they got you back to okay again. And this went on for seven years. And in the seven years, were you on a wait list for a kidney transplant? Yes, I was. So I was on a uh, waiting list for about seven years. So the moment I started dialysis, uh, they put me on a kidney waiting list, deceased kidney donor list. And I waited for seven years. And, uh, just so you can appreciate how much your life changes. Um, as, you, as I said before, I was really, really active. I couldn't go swimming because obviously I had the catheter in my abdominal uh, area. I had to make sure that my hands were always washed and clean, uh, particularly with food. I had to be very, very careful with, with my diet to make sure I didn't have anything that would give me an infection. You know, I could drink a bit of alcohol here and there, but, you know, it builds up in your system. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, my, my life had completely changed. 
And uh, yeah, being on dialysis was uh, uh, yeah, a whole new experience. But the seven years, I watched my body and I felt my body decline uh, in terms of healthy wise. And so when it came close to the kidney transplant, which was the sixth year, I was really exhausted. And I'm just curious, but what's this like for like, gosh, somehow you had a family in this time and we missed that. Imagine that being a father for the first time and having to be so careful would just be really difficult. Yeah. So my son was born in 2011, December. And uh, uh, the best thing of my life, best thing ever. And, And any parent will say that as well. When your first child comes along, you know, you're like, oh my goodness, this is, this is part of me, my mini me. Um, and it was lovely. But then when you have children, your perspective changes completely. And then you start thinking about, I want to be there for them. Mm-hmm. I, I want to raise my child. I want to be there to support them. And so then kicks in the, 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 the willing spirit, the fighting spirit to want to live. Because, mm-hmm. you know, your child. And... Uh, you know, my wife, she, she worked up until my son was born. And then obviously I was the breadwinner. And so to me, it was either sink or swim. And so, yes, I was on, on dialysis, but I had a family to feed. So there was that fine balance between, oh, I've got to care about my health. I've got to think about me. And then it was, I need to work to provide for my family. Thanks for sharing that with us. I think that's a real perspective for anyone listening that's going through a hard time and to remember too that the the judgment of how well you're doing with that balance of family work and personal care is just so truly individual yeah it is and um you know it it's one of those things where you don't think twice about it you're just like well look i have to do this there's there's no other way but to basically make it work and amongst all of that as well you know I'm, de- I'm, I'm running a business. I'm out there. Uh, I'm knocking doors. I'm promoting my service. Um, I'm getting new clients. Um, I'm working so- on some beautiful cars. You know, the normal day-to-day running of a business, I still dealt with that. Because um, that's life, you know. But uh, amongst all of that, the business was almost like a, a distraction to what, was really, what, my, what I was really going through. And uh, because the business went so well, it gave me that extra added boost just to keep going. And, uh, and that was a good thing about being in business. People would normally, when they get sick like that, they would rather stay home and look after themselves and, you know, it's all about them. Almost like self-pity in a way, but for me, it was the opposite. But I said, I need to run this business. Um, maybe one day my son will take over if I have it that long. You know, I was thinking along those lines there, you know. And so, yeah, it was more of a distraction for me. And I made it successful in the meantime. So that was good. What was it like with family or friends? Did you have a support network or was it just you and your wife and business? So my support network was obviously my wife. Uh, My mum, the rest of my family were back in the UK, Miami, USA and in Jamaica as well. So I was on regular phone contact with them, Skyping um, or WhatsApp, you know, 
just to see how they are and they're videoing me as well making sure i'm okay you know um but it's not the same as being there in person mm -hmm. and obviously i'm thousands of miles across the sea and um you know i long for that hug that to be with them and to laugh with them even though i'm speaking to them it's not the same when you're not there so my wife and you know her family and some of the friends that i created over the years they became my support network and um it was good and by the way i was still playing soccer while i was <laughs> on dialysis <laughs> you're not joking i can tell by that smile on your face <laughs> no i'm not joking wow. i was still playing football i still uh, kept active um i didn't overdo it you still have to keep that do something to mentally keep yourself positive so yeah so as we move into taking a closer look at your story what about you changed the most from this experience changed the most i guess my outlook on life um my outlook on life changed completely because you know when your world changes you view the world differently and um i valued people because I saw how precious life was and uh, anybody that came into you know my you know around me I, I wanted to get to know them I wanted to see how they were because um, obviously I was in a worse situation than they were but I, I cared about people I appreciate people because I realized how fragile life was and so people all my customers people I've done business with my, my friends my family they will tell you that I became this person where I would literally suck you in. <laughs> I want to know you. How are you? And some people uh, sort of ran the other way because they thought I was being a bit too too deep. But <laughs> I, I appreciate people because life is so fragile. And so when I'd always take the time to hear their problems, hear what they're going through, and yes, it was minor, but sometimes people just need that person to just listen and just help them see some kind of a light at the end of the tunnel, give some, some advice, you know? And again, it was sort of like a distraction for me to not focus on my problems uh, and to help other people as well. Mm. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us one of your personal habits that contributed to your overcoming this? Yeah, one of my personal habits, um, I did a lot of praying in that time. Uh, some people, it's interesting when it comes to adversity. People react in, in the most funniest ways. Uh, some people maybe had a faith before and then they have this problem and then they go, nah, I don't, I've had enough of God, I've had enough, and they go another way. Um, me, I just kind of just thought, oh, I'll just start playing. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and that worked for me, you know, I, that worked for me. I, I, I read the Bible um, and then the other part of my, you know, how I was able to overcome it was, again, my son, my family. I wanted to see him grow up. And so the mixture of those together um, helped me to be positive and to keep going as well as the business. The business was doing well. And so I was always thinking of ideas of how I can promote the business, get new customers, new products I could try, new products I could sell. So all of that, being busy, 
was really the fundamental thing that just helped to just keep me going. Mm-hmm. Can you share with us a resource like a podcast or a book that you wouldn't have made it through without? Oh, podcast or a book. I wasn't really into podcasting. <laughs> but um, yeah, books. I mean, you know, as I said, I started praying, so I, I read the Bible quite a lot. But there were other books, um, business books that really, you know, made me think. Um, I read a book, can't remember who it was by, and it was called When Good Is Not Enough. And it was a book mainly talking about um, ethnic minorities in in the executive world and and how some may struggle um, with their work and what have you. And I read that book and it just brought a complete new perspective and how to deal with people in a corporate world or, or, or business in general. And it just really gave me that nice, uh, good business mindset. And then I read a book which was written by my accountant, actually, and it's called Love to Grow. And it was talking about the different mindsets when it comes to money or different attitudes with money. And it was a good book because it made you look within yourself, uh, you know, look at your money attitude, your attitude towards life in general, and how all of that is tied into your, your spending habits. And so, you know, with all these things, you know, the Bible and this book and, and, and the support, you know, those things were the things that kept me going. So, yeah, if you can get that book, Love to Grow by Trish Love. All right. I'll link all that in the show notes at synergymindsetcoaching.com backslash Craig. And they can find the books. They can find your website. They can find everything you referenced today. So Yeah, definitely. We're going to head into the grand finale. You have been so gracious with giving us your time today and really sharing your story. I thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And it's a privilege. And thanks for having me here. And um, yeah, if, 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 if your listeners have any questions, feel free to flip me a message or visit my website. I'd be more than happy to speak to you and help you in any, in any way if I can. Excellent. Well, thank you. We're down to the last two questions. So we all walk through valleys and mountaintops in life. The next time that you are faced with a mountaintop to climb, what will be the most important thing that you bring along your journey with you? The most important thing is, again, positive mindset. Uh, things are not always what they seem. And there's always a positive, uh, you know, aspect of an adversity. You know, ask yourself questions like, you know, what does it teach me about life? You know, um, if I was to die within the next hour, what would I appreciate the most? Ask yourself some really thought-provoking questions and appreciate every breath you take because you don't really appreciate it until you see someone else take their last. Amen to that. Now tell us what is good in your life right now and where is the best place for people to connect with you? I'm in a great place right now. So uh, right now I'm a real estate agent. <laughs> I still have my um, waste store business, which is still running on the side. I still run that as well. And I've reached out to do um, coaching as well. So I help people, high performing uh, professionals to uh, work out their branding strategies goal setting and also I help discuss their personal awareness when it comes to you know overcoming challenges in their business or or the or the goals or wanting to change a career I'm able to sit down and 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 help people plan or map out you know which way they want to go and to look deep within themselves 
And uh, so that's where I'm at right now. Love coaching people, love helping them, and uh, love talking about business. And I just love people in general. You can connect with me at www.craigdias, so uh, .co.nz. So that's C-R-A-I-G-D-I-A-S dot co dot N-Z. You can read uh, a bit more about my story there. I've got some, you know, some good facts and figures there for you. Um, and you connect with me there. Welcome back. Craig overcame a lot and kept a really positive mindset along the way. You will find everything he mentioned at SynergyMindsetCoaching.com. All you have to do is type Craig in the search bar and he will come right up. If you have a friend or family member that you think needs to hear this interview, please share it with them. You can help us spread the message by leaving an honest review. Let me know what you like or what you think would make the show better. I appreciate all of you and I really value your feedback. Thank you for listening and come back next week for another inspiring interview.